0: Goals are an important part of life. I like to call them goals. In New Year's, we often call them New Year's resolutions. I I don't talk too much about New Year's resolutions. I talk about goals. Somebody once said, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. And that's true, isn't it? But God doesn't want us to aim at nothing in our lives. So many people go through life, and they essentially aim at nothing. They just try to make it through. They try to get enough money to pay the bills, put food on the table, and they have no goals in life. God wants each of us to aim at His goals for our lives. Did you know that God has goals for your life? God has things He wants you to accomplish in your life. Unique goals, and He wants to empower you to reach those goals. Now, Reaching new goals for God in this new year is really the only way that this year is going to be better than last year. God wants us to strive for something new. God wants us to strive for something greater. God wants us to grow in new areas. And so that's why we're in this message series at the beginning of 2013 called Goals 2013. We're looking at some general goals that God wants every believer to grow in in the new year. Now, God's got some specific goals for you as well, and we'll talk about those in a little while. And last Sunday, we looked at the first goal, the goal of seeking God's face, the goal of growing in our relationship with God. Now, today, my message is entitled, Grow in Your Church. So last Sunday, we talked about the vertical relationship we have with God, how He wants us to grow in that relationship. Today, we're going to talk about what I call a horizontal relationship in which God wants us to grow in other believers in the church. But before we get into the topic today, we need to look at the question, what is a church? What is a church? Think about that for a minute. Many people see a church as simply a building. Other people see a church as a a set of programs or a set of ministries. And those programs or ministries exist for the benefit of of me, myself, and my family. Now if that's the case, if that's truly the definition of a church, then, then churches are basically interchangeable. And that's the way most people view churches today. You shop for a church. You look for the, at this church, you look at this church. You look for a church that's the most convenient. You look for a church that offers the different programs and ministries that you think would benefit you. At the least cost to yourself of involvement and time and whatever you might have to do. It's a consumer mentality for looking for a church. And the result of this consumer mentality, which we'll see is really not biblical. That's not what church is all about. Is that there's a pronounced migration of people from smaller churches to megachurches. It's well documented. The movement today is from smaller churches to mega churches. The mega churches are growing. Thinking is the bigger the church, the more it must offer. And yet, despite this migration to larger churches, church attendance in America, would you think it would be going up? It's actually going down, it's going in the wrong direction. So, there's something wrong with that definition of church, there's something wrong with the picture. So, today we're going to look at God's definition of a local church. Our scripture passage today is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians. And this letter, the letter was written by the Apostle Paul, was written to a local church in a city in Asia Minor called Corinth. We're going to look at how God defines a local church in His Word. We're going to look at the last verse in our passage first, and then we're going to work back through. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven. Now in the middle of your bulletins, there's a white page. And it has the outline of the sermon written out for you with the verses. And I encourage you to pull that out, if you haven't already, and take some notes and so that you can look at it during the week. 1 Corinthians 12:27 It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now remember, this verse was written to a local church in the city of Corinth. God's Word defines a local church as the body of Christ. It's made up of believers, and each one is part of that church body. We're going to unpack that a little more today. So let's remember God's definition. Local church equals a body of Christ in a certain area. Okay, so today we're going to learn and talk about how we can grow in the church body in which God has placed us. We're going to unpack this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to see how God views the church and how that differs from some views prevailing today. First of all, the church body has many parts. Verse 12, which we just saw up there, says the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So in this passage, God is using the human body as a a metaphor of the church. Metaphor of the local church. And just as our human bodies have many different parts, so the church is made up of many parts. And those parts together form one body. There's many different people that are part of a local church, but together they have a unity. And God is the one who places someone into a church body. Verse 13 says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. So who puts you into a church body? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit places us into a church body. Each believer, when they become a believer, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit binds all the believers together in one local body into one unified whole. Now some people take this verse to mean that God baptizes each believer into the universal body of Christ, which is all Christians across the face of the world. And that is certainly true. But the context of this passage, and really the vast majority of the uses of the word church in the New Testament, refer to the local church, and not to the universal church. So God places each believer into a local church body to grow in. In that church body functions with these different parts. Verse 14, Now the body is made not made up of one part, but of many. So what are the parts of a body? Therefore, they're there so that the body can properly function, so the body can carry out the purposes for which it was created. And there have to be many different parts for the proper function of a human body. Just as we saw in that video, the, the body has many different parts, and they are all necessary, and those parts are different. And what happens if a body part is missing? If you're missing an eye or a leg or an arm, you're not going to function as well when a part is missing. Proper function only occurs when every part that God has placed in the church body is functioning properly. Now God places people in in the church body in many different ways. Some people are saved in a church body. You come to know the Lord in a church body and that's where he plants you. Other people hear about the church in one way or another and God directs them to come to the church. They hear God saying, this is the place I'm going to plant you. Other people are invited by a friend and they sense God leading them to become part of a particular church body. Now the point is that God leads people to become part of a church body. We don't choose. We just seek to follow His direction. Unfortunately, in our society, true commitment is in Short supply. Take, for example, the institution of marriage. Over 50% of marriages in America lead to divorce. Why is that? It's a lack of commitment. It's a lack of working through any issues that may arise. Many people abandon their commitment to their spouses. They, they find somebody more exciting. They find somebody who they think they can get along better with. They find somebody else... To escape the difficulties they're experiencing in their relationship. And so they move on. They break the commitment they've made. And we see the same issue with people's commitments to church bodies. And yet God promises to bless those who make a commitment to a church body. Where God has placed them for the long haul. Churches are not interchangeable. Because they're not just buildings. They're not just a set of programs. Churches are made up of people. And when you make a commitment to a church, you're making a commitment to the people in that church in which God has placed you. Now, each believer is, uniquely, is a uniquely created part of their church body. Verse 18 says, God, in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And so God has made each one of you with a unique Divine design. Now you look at the person next to you. Are they the same as you? No. They're very different in many ways. Look at the person in front of you. They're different than you. Each one of you is unique. And God has made you that way. He's done a good job. Why don't we say that? God, say this with me. You don't know what you're going to say, but just say it with me. Trust me. God did a good job when he made me. Now let's try again. God made a good job. God did a good job when he made you. God knew what he was doing. And we need to appreciate who God has made us to be. And we need to appreciate what God has made others to be to be. Each person is made uniquely. They have unique gifting. They have unique abilities and desires. Now this verse shows us that God doesn't just throw people randomly into a church body. God builds a church body. What does it say? He arranges the parts in the body. Why? So they function correctly. You see, it's the same way with the human body. We're not just a random collection of parts, are we? What if God gave us uh, four legs and no arms? Wouldn't work too well, would it? It wouldn't function very well. So God brings the right parts into each local church body. Now, you can't choose what part you are. Verse 15 and 16, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. God created you who you are, and you don't choose who you are. Remember, God did a a good job when he created you. So many people don't like who they are. But God did a good job. He created you just the way he wanted you to be. And God wants you to discover what part you are. God wants you to discover your giftings, not desire to be like somebody else, not to desire to be like something that you aren't. Some people feel that they have no abilities. They have nothing to contribute to anyone else or to a church body, but that's not true. When God made you, he gave you giftings and abilities that could be of use to others. God's Word tells us that He's created each one of us as a part of a church body and He'll help us to find our place. Now, each different part is necessary for the church body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Now, sometimes we're tempted to not appreciate who God has made us to be. Other times we may be tempted to not appreciate who God has made somebody else to be. The natural tendency is to, to want other people to be just like we are. We're more comfortable around people just like us. And yet, if everybody was just like us, or us say I'm an I, if everybody was an I, Paul is saying, how would the body hear? How would the body move? How would the body take a hold of things? And so God places many different parts, many different people into his body. And we need to appreciate the differences. Why? So the body can function correctly. And in part of growing spiritually, part of being spiritually mature, is being able to appreciate different kinds of people. People with different giftings. People with different abilities. People of the opposite gender. People who are older or younger than you. As part of being spiritually mature, being able to appreciate how God has made people differently and placed them in the body of Christ. Now, just think for a minute. Would it be easier to find your place and relate to others in a church body, in a, in a very, very large church, or in a smaller church? Well, I believe it would be much easier to find your place in the church body and relate to others in a smaller church. The churches in the New Testament were, were not huge churches. They were small churches. It's one of the advantages of a smaller church. When you come to a church and all you see is a video of the pastor up hundreds of feet away. and You listen and you go home. Is that really being part of a church body? The only way a large church can properly function is to have people involved in small groups in which they can relate in a, uh, a smaller group, they can relate with others and really get to know people and interact and function as a body. Uh, many many of the larger churches do not have viable small group ministries. And we have a small group ministry here, even in a church our size. We need the smaller context to pray with one another, to know what other people are going through, to truly function as a healthy church body. Next month, we're beginning our spring semester of small groups, beginning in February, running through April. February, March, and April. And we encourage every person to sign up for a group that works for you. Uh, The verses, I mean, the, the groups are listed in your. Bulletin, you can look at them there. Did we have an announcement on that, Doug? No, we didn't. We should have. Um, And we encourage you to sign up for a group. On your Connect card, there's different groups listed. And if you'd like to be part of one of those groups, please check the box and we can see uh, who is going to be attending which group. Carol and I are going to be leading a group that's going to meet on Wednesday nights right here in the lower level of the church. And we encourage those who live in this vicinity to join us. Now, each believer needs the other parts of the body. Verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We all need each other. Rather than thinking we don't need those who are different than us, we need the other parts of the body. We've already talked about it. There's a tendency, a widespread tendency, to just want to be around people just like yourself. Younger people want to be around younger people. Older people want to be around older people. In fact, many churches now are just building themselves around a certain segment of society where everybody is pretty much the same. But God's Word teaches us that a healthy church body is multi-generational. It has the older teaching the younger. It has the younger learning from the older. It It has singles. It has marriage. It has people with children, people without children, mature believers, new believers, All are necessary for the proper function of the church body. A healthy church body is one that has all kinds of people that accept one another, that love one another, that learn from one another, and that grow together. Every part is indispensable. Verse 22, it says, Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Have you ever thought... Of somebody else, well they really can't contribute much. They're too weak, they're too young, they're too this, they're too that. But God's Word says that every part of the church body is indispensable. We're tempted to think some people of no use, but yet every person is necessary. The body cannot properly function without every person doing their part. Your life will not be complete Without every part in the church body, we need each other. And finally, God has created the church body to grow together. Verse 24 and 25 says, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Here again, who puts a church body together? It says God combines the members of the body together. God is the one that honors each person in the church. He desires that there should be no division in the church. He desires that there should be unity. That each person should have a concern, not just for themselves, but for the others around them. And they show that concern by helping others, by listening to others, by praying for others, by serving with others. And when a church body appreciates all the different parts, when it has equal concern for each other, then that church body is healthy. And it grows together to accomplish the mission and the purpose that that God has for that particular church. So what are some of the benefits of being in the church body in which God has placed you? First of all, you're in a place of protection and safety. Where is the safest place on earth to be? The safest place on earth to be is right smack dab in the center of God's will for your life. Particularly regarding your church family. When you're in the place where God has placed you to be, you're in the safest place you could be. Now, we don't have time to develop this, but both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to be outside of the assembly of believers or of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, to be outside of the church family in a New Testament was, was something greatly feared. In the Old Testament, people were put outside the camp. It was a fate worse than death. In the New Testament, people were excommunicated, really. And what it says is when they were put out of the church, they were put outside of God's protection and they were exposed to the attacks of Satan. So the safest place to be is right in the church body that God has planted you. Another benefit of the church body that God has chosen for us is guidance. God guides us directly as we speak to Him, but also through leaders in the church, through fellow believers as we pray together with them. God provides protection and guidance and direction to our lives. A church body, finally, another benefit, there are many more than this, we're just highlighting three, is that God puts you in a specific church body to help you grow. Many people today say, well, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else. I'm just fine without anybody else. But you can't not grow spiritually when you're not in a church body. In a church body, spiritual growth happens as we engage with one another and we engage together with God. Believers in a church family. Issues that we might have with one another. Now, if you're in a family, do you ever have any issues with your spouse or your children? No? Okay. (laughs) Nobody. Nobody does. It's only our family. Okay. There's a few perfect families here. We're not one of them. No, there's, there's issues in every family. There's issues in every relationship. And if you just walk away, which is what our society tends to do, if there's issues in a relationship, particularly a marriage, they just walk away. You don't grow that way. You don't mature. You walk out of God's will. And the same is true in a church family. Are there going to be issues between people in a church family? I don't know. yes. Yes, there will be, because we're all different. There will be issues. And God wants us to work through those issues, to love one another, even though we're different. Work through those issues, and as God helps us to resolve any issues there may be, we grow stronger. The church body grows stronger. It's the immature person that walks away from things, that doesn't want to deal with an issue, and they do not grow. They remain weak. So God's word teaches us that we need each other in the church body. And so that really this is a wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians 12. It's something I'd really encourage you to think about and pray over this week. Take those notes home that we have for you in the outline. And I might remind you as well that on the back of this sheet, there's something else. There's a study guide and questions that can help you Interact with the passage a little more deeply. And these questions are often used in our small groups as a basis for discussion, but since we don't have any small groups going now, you can use them yourself personally to dig a little deeper and, and think about how God views the church. It says, The body of Christ. Think about all the implications of that. Life Church is the local church body. The body of Christ in this location, made up of Many parts are believers, and each part is placed here by God Himself. Each believer is uniquely designed to fit into a church body, to function into the calling and gifting that God has given to you. We need each other. We're not complete without one another. And so, Life Church here, the church body here, is a place of protection, it's a place of guidance, it's a place of growth. And I believe God has great things in store for us in the new year. As we better relate to one another and relate to God together, we will grow healthier and we will grow in every way. Now we're coming to what really is the most important part of the service. And I've just titled it for this Sunday, Action Time. God's Word says that we're not blessed when we simply hear the Word. When are we blessed? We're blessed when we take action, when we put the Word into practice. And this is a common temptation for people in a church to come and say, well, I enjoyed that. That was a good message, Pastor. That blessed my heart. Well, it only is going to bless your heart if you do something differently as a result of it. If you put it into action. If you just say that was great, and you go home and nothing changes, then you're really not blessed. But this is a time for you to take action before God. Everyone here is unique, but God wants, I believe, everyone to take action in one way or another Now, today, if you're not a believer, then you're not qualified to be part of a church body. I mean, you can attend here, but you haven't been baptized into the church by the Holy Spirit. That happens when you become a believer. To become a believer is to have a relationship with God. To become a believer, you need to admit that you've done wrong things, that you've sinned, to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross that your sins might be forgiven asking Him to forgive you to come into your life and promising to commit your life to Him for all your days. If you've never made a commitment like that, I encourage you to make that commitment this morning. That should be your top priority action item. If you've drifted away from God, then God would have you recommit your life this morning to Him. So we're going to bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me in your mind. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit I've I've done wrong things. I've sinned. I haven't been following your plan and purpose for my life. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I turn away from my sins. I repent. I commit myself to following you, Jesus, and to following your word all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've made that commitment or recommitted your life, I'd like you to take one more action and check the box on the back of your Connect card to let us know that you took that that action and place it in the offering in a few minutes. If you made that commitment for the first time or recommitted your life and you've never picked up A New Believers New Testament, we have one for you over on the guest table. I'd encourage you to pick it up and to read it every day. Now for those of us who are believers, I'd like us to reflect as well. How should I respond to God's word today? How should I respond? Perhaps God would have you sign up for a life group. I believe if you're regular attender here, you should sign up for a life group if you can possibly make any of the times. Some people say, well, I might not be able to make it every time. That's okay. Just make it when you can. And so we encourage you to check the box on your Connect card to sign up for a life group. Perhaps you're a believer and you haven't been water baptized. Maybe that's the step God wants you to take, the next step. That should be the first thing you do after you become a believer. It's a place to check to become water baptized. On the back of your bulletin, there's a, says my action plan for the week. And there's a, a place to apply the following lesson from Sunday's message to my life. I'm just going to give you a couple minutes. Either check a box in the back of your connect card or to write something down. Maybe it's something, a new thought that God would have you believe and meditate on this week. Perhaps you're just going to make a commitment to go over the outline this week. And to look at the study God so that you can pray it into your life. We're just going to give you a minute. What would God have you do? Let Him speak to you. Father, we thank you for your word that teaches us about your church. We thank you, God, for, for placing us here in your church body at Life Church. We thank you for what you've done in the past. We look forward to what you're going to do in the new year. Help us to grow with. One another in the relationships in which you've placed us in this church. We pray, God, that every attender would become part of a life group and, and grow in those relationships as well. well. Work it out so that people can have time and that they can make time for that important part of their spiritual growth. We pray, God, that our church body here at Life Church would grow every way in the new year. Help us to grow closer to you. Help us to grow closer to one another. Help us to grow as you place new people in our church body. Help us to do our part, to reach out, to share the good news, to invite people that more people might be touched with the truth of your word. We thank you, God, for your protection and for your guidance for us as we follow you in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.